Before we dive into this podcast, we want to introduce you to our sponsor, TylerMade. Established in 2008, TylerMade is a family-owned and run business built on traditional values of trust, honesty, and integrity. When you visit TylerMade's showroom, you'll experience firsthand their commitment to these values through their honest pricing with no hidden fees and service with a genuine smile. Each tile specialist is knowledgeable in all areas, from features and benefits to measuring and layout, ensuring that you receive the best advice and service possible. TylerMade's vision is to become one of the largest and most successful tile manufacturers of high-end quality products, with a stylish and exclusive range of products distributed worldwide to both wholesale and retail markets. Their mission is to manufacture high-quality tiles and surpass expectations by offering competitive prices through an ongoing commitment to customer satisfaction and dedication to continuous improvement. We're proud to have TylerMade as our sponsor and invite you to visit their showroom in Kupuru in Brisbane or check out their products online at tylermade.com.au. Hello and welcome back to the Supercoach Champions podcast. You're here with Catfish as always. We've got a bit of a different one this week. Obviously some scheduling changes and long story short, I had a holiday. It was great. I switched off for the most part and yeah, feeling quite refreshed, back, ready to rip in and yeah, long overdue. Obviously had a bit of a down uh, two weeks now and yeah, I've doubled, almost tripled my rank in that time, which is not great, but hey, we keep on and obviously prime opportunity this week to move up now I was going to have Joe Fitz join me but unfortunately just due to my scheduling dramas wasn't able to make the times work so here I am a bit of a different one solo time basically so look I'm not going to be able to go through all of the usual segments we have each week given we usually have three episodes worth of Supercoach chat but I'll do my best to cover all the most pertinent questions and yeah we'll dive straight into it but look like I said, not being great. I'm sitting in the four five hundreds now, rank wise. So yeah, slow slide, but I'm pretty confident I've got a prime opportunity to make a bit of a charge this week. I've already got thirteen pre trades, and that includes obviously Sean Johnson though. So maybe twelve if he doesn't suit up. But to be fair, I mean I did cop the Gutho and Cody Walker outs as well. So it's not like I wasn't thoroughly prepared for this round and was looking at having quite a few available for this week. So. I think strategically that's uh, something I can take advantage of, but I'll come to that later in the episode. So yeah, enough fluffing about. There's plenty to cover this round, so I want to dive straight into it and look at the news already. All right, so starting off with uh, the unsavory stuff. So Dylan Brown has uh, copped his punishment. So he's now been suspended until round 23. So seven matches in total and also a sizable fine of 40,000. Look, without getting into the controversy of it all, I do feel it's uh, light on, on the, in terms of the punishment. So I'm surprised he's playing again this season, given the circumstances and given, obviously, the offence he's copped. And in light of you know other offences that have occurred either this season or even you know some of the other contrary conduct charges or bringing the game into disrepute charges etc etc so look i'm not going to get into it any more than that Supercoach implications wise like i didn't really love the as a possible option 
moving forward. I mean, if he jumped on a bit earlier, that was a you know great move. He's still not sky high price wise, but this obviously caps his uh, shelf life. And even after Dillbacks returns around twenty three onwards, I just don't think it's worthwhile. The Eels have a brutal run from round 23 onwards and also miss round 27 because of their third and final buy. So, yeah, I think that's about it. Something else that was a little bit under the radar was Josh Curran. He finally copped his punishment for his assault charge over the offseason and he's been uh, suspended for two rounds and also I think there's other monetary fines, etc. So, yeah, if you were looking at Curran as potential downgrade and you know, a bit of a sneaky pod for this round. He's obviously gone. I missed last week as well. So he may actually be back in the Warriors team sooner rather than later, but for Supercoach, not really any impacts there. Unless you were, you know, tempted to take a punt on Mitch Bynum or something like that, I'd probably steer away from that given the uncertainty of what's going to happen once Karen's back in and available for selection again. On to slightly happier news. Obviously, origin selections have come out. No doubt the team list had been analyzed and broken down and ridiculed etc etc look to me i think the queensland team was pretty much as expected with ponga ruling himself out uh, earlier in the season i don't think he was ever really in contention even if billy wanted to pick up the phone and call him which left aj brimson as the obvious candidate to step in especially given aj has done it before you know he's played fullback for queensland and also had a couple of games off the bench and obviously as 18th man as well so I think AJ will slot in pretty easily. And the other good news is obviously Corey Horsburgh gets his origin debut. Like I said, I thought once Flegler was injured, I think he was the obvious candidate to step into his shoes. He does have similar tendencies to Flegler. And I think, yeah, as much as Jermaine Hopgood has been playing awesome and, and deserves his 19th man a spot, I just don't think he was the right kind of replacement given what Flegler brought to the Origin Arena and, you know, what he's there to do. So I do like Horsburgh in there, and I'm keen to see what he does. I mean, we, we joke about it, but he genuinely seems like he will fit right at home in the Origin Arena, so keen for it. Look, the Blues team, I'm not going to make fun of you guys too much here, even though I'm a proud Queenslander, but I, honestly, when I was reading the team, I was like, what in the world are you doing, Freddie? Your selections make no sense at all. And, I mean, it seems like you are trying to get yourself fired. But that's beside the point. Look, uh, it, it's good for Bradman Best, you know, to get his origin debut here. Now, Keon Kalom Tangi is, I thought, long overdue. He probably would have been there if he didn't get injured early this season. So it's a just reward for his good form and sustained good form for a long time. So... I guess the only other thing is why is Cody Walker in there? You know, are you planning for the future in a dead rubber or is this your attempt to salvage some pride? Like, I don't get it. You know, Cody, he's obviously been there and not really, you know, whether you say he didn't get a proper shot or maybe you say he didn't really stand up when his state needed him the last time he was selected. But the fact remains he's, you know, been the form 5'8 for the Blues pretty much all season. And, you know, it's a fair reward for him. But at the same time, like, why? Like, I get it. You know, maybe Fred, Freddie's really trying to win this game. But I just think, yeah, it, you've got an opportunity to really look to the future. And Nico Hines probably belongs in there. And, yeah, look, I, I don't understand it. But who knows? Lastly, it's the Gutho pick. Like, uh, that makes no sense to me at all. I, I understand he wants him for the utility factor. And he pointed to the fact that Gutho can fill in anywhere from one to seven. 
pretty much. But then you go and pick Reese Robson as well on the bench. And, you know, you've got Cookie who can play 80 minutes and maybe you don't want him to, but then your, your forwards are Isaiah Yo and Jacob Saifidi. They're your only replacements. Like Robson maybe plays some minutes in the middle and he can do that. That's fine. But, yeah, look, I just don't get it. The selection doesn't make sense. So I can't seem to see any sort of real game plan to the selections as well. So, yeah, I'm never going to ride off the Blues in any Origin game, but I'm expecting the Queenslanders to make this a clean sweep. And I think the team Billy stuck with, and, you know, he's only really made changes as required by injuries, which makes perfect sense, right? Because why would you change a winning formula? So I think it's actually some of the non-selections that are a little bit more baffling for the Blues, I mean, obviously when you lose Payne Haas to injury, that's that's a force change. makes sense. But I don't know why he also dropped Junior Paulo. Maybe you could say Paulo hasn't really delivered what he needed to, but when you've got a force change due to injury, like why change more? And I get Paulo may not be the guy you want to bring in, but for Jacob Saifidi, like, I, I, yeah, I don't get that. And then you're dropping Hudson Young, which, look, I understand he's not been great in games one and two, but... How many players have really not, you know, taken their best opportunity the first time or even the second time they got to go and they needed some time and perseverance? Like Hudson Young's played really well for a sustained period at club level and maybe he never puts it together, but I would have thought he's still young enough that you give him another shot. Like I don't understand, you know, you can still bring in Keon at, who deserves a spot as well but not give up on Hudson Young. Like there are other guys, again, you know, without going into it, but there are other guys in this team where I think if you're going to move someone on, it might be their time. But anyway, that's Freddie Fittler for you. And I'll take that Payne Hunt's injury mention to segue into our next segment. What's the matter? Haven't you ever seen a football injury before, you wimps? Let's go. All right, so there are obviously some key injuries that we need to discuss again if you want more details on all the injuries that occurred, you've got the Magic Sponge podcast run by NRL Physio and his uh, co-host James as well. They, yeah, fantastic chat and always an enjoyable listen. So get on board and support them if you want. But yeah, I'm just going to quickly highlight some of the key supercoach relevant injuries here. So Payne Haas, he's uh, been diagnosed as having mild uh, ankle tendon inflammation uh, after he had an MRI, so he's obviously missing Origin 3. They're saying he's going to miss round 20 as well and expecting him back round 21, but I've got a feeling Haas is a bit of a superhuman, so if he is raring to go, he may want to play round 20. I wouldn't be surprised if he is able to play, but I'm kind of pretending I don't have him uh, at this stage, and if he obviously plays round 20, it'll be a nice welcome bonus for my team. Still with the Broncos, the so-called major injuries for Flegler and also Ricky have uh, come back a little bit more promising. So Flegler may be back in round 21. And also Ricky, they're hoping he will be back for the last few rounds of the regular season. The main impact of this is going to be on popular cheapy from last round, Brendan Picura. I do think he may end up needing to be traded out unless, for whatever reason, Kevin Walters decides to persist with uh, Kurt Capewell playing a bit more in the middle. But that's a big question mark there. I don't think Piakura, unfortunately, hasn't been able to nail down that spot despite... Uh, and look, this is me as a Broncos fan. I know for Supercoach he hasn't been great, but I think he's been very helpful 
in terms of the shape of the attack on that left side. One thing he's been really good at doing is running decoys and actually running through the line. Kurt Capewell has ruined a couple of tries on that left side by like not running through and standing in the line and, and things like that. For someone like Kurt, who's so experienced, it, it should be something that he does a lot better. But Pierre Cure has been fantastic, just running those decoys. And it's, you know, especially last round, we saw that it isolated Herbie against Val Tafare. And obviously Herbie had a field day attacking him one-on-one. So for me... Like, I appreciated Pierre Cura's game for that. It wasn't great for Supercoach, though. And it wasn't like he had a perfect game. He had made some errors and, you know, he missed some tackles and stuff like that as well. But as a Broncos fan, I'm really excited by his development. I think he could continue to improve, but obviously he hasn't had the breakout. We'd be hoping that the opportunity that was given to him would have afforded him more so from a Supercoach perspective. But, yeah, that's a bit of a tangent there and... So moving on, obviously Sloan uh, from the Dragons was a bit of a surprise omission from the team list this round. It turns out he has a bit of a calf issue. And look, it's, they're saying it's a minor calf strain, so he might be available the following round that is available. That's going to be round 21 because the Dragons do have the round 20 by. So this is where someone like a Paul Turner, who's been named at fullback, could be interesting as a bit of a one-and-done option, but I'll come to that later as that's a question I've been asked. Jeremy Marshall King is an interesting name. The chat during the week was very uh, pessimistic and it sounded like he could be gone for the season and here he is being named. So the thing with Marshall King is he's re-aggravated that AC joint injury and we know that that impacts supercoach scoring. We know that impacts his availability and we know that on field, if he cops a knock at the wrong time and wrong place, he could be off for the rest of the game. All those things have happened so far. So... Marshall King scored well last week, but it's off the back attacking stats, which he has continued to do all season. So it's more of a, look, if you've got him, maybe you stick it out. And I understand people are offloading him already. But yeah, I think if you're considering him, like I, I've considered him for weeks, but I'm, you know, I'm fairly making it a stay away. I'm just not going to go there. As much as I think Marshall King's great for Supercoach this season, just the injury risk and the re-aggravation and all of that type of stuff. Uh, I just don't want that drama in my life. So uh, just a word of warning for those who are tempted to jump on there. For the Tigers, they have a couple of big names uh, missing, David Nofaluma and also Brett Naden. I guess big names probably was an embellishment there on my part, my bad. But they are not on the team list this round because of shoulder injuries. So it wasn't that they've been dropped or anything like that. They are actually injured. For the Bunnies, and a massive blow for those who have Campbell Graham as a bit of a pod or took the punt. He's uh, missing this round due to uh, ongoing management of that sternum injury. Obviously, with the Bunnies having the round 20 by, there's an opportunity here for to give him a little bit longer off. And hopefully, with the extended time off, he might come back ripping and tearing for round 21 onwards. So it's a tough call, obviously, if you do have him in your team. He's a fantastic pod, but it's a lot of games he's going to miss, given he's going to miss 19, 20, and also 26, given they've got that buy that round. So, you know, can you put that money to better use elsewhere? I'd argue that you possibly could, but it comes down to your depth at center wing before you make that call there. Finally, another center wing pod in Dan Gagai missed last round unexpectedly. He's battling a foot injury, so... I think the Knights decided to give him last week off given they've got the bye this round and he's hopefully back on board round 20 onwards. So I think if you do have Gagai, you'd want to persevere because you weren't expecting to have him this round anyway. 
So you're just hoping he's fit and firing for the rest of the season from round 20 on because he is a bit of a tasty pod for those who took the risk there. So, yeah, look, uh, there are obviously more injuries, but I think let's move on because I've got so much to talk about. Really quickly on the judiciary, there's only uh, two players who are missing time this round due to suspensions. That's Dalfinukin for two games and Alex 12 for one. Everyone else just copying fines. So, yeah, not very exciting. Steven, I like your hustle. That's why it was so hard to cut Congratulations, the rest of you made the team. Except you, you and you. All right, so I'm not going to do the full team list previews and all that type of stuff, no doubt. Again, by the time you're listening to this, you probably have checked up the teams yourself. However, I wanted to highlight a few players that I think are worth looking at, just more for interest sake. Now, first one, I'm going to start with Dream Buller, one player in my team, so it really hurt last round. I know we talked about it, you know, you wanted to be able to offload him, uh, you know, a little bit later and hopefully have him cover around 19, also around 20, but with the 16 in that rolling average and just the Tigers getting worse and worse each round, I'm just thinking maybe before he loses all value, you do need to move him on. Like, what do you think he's going to score against the Sharks who are almost full full strength, basically? I don't know. <laughs> maybe 16's on the cards again, especially if the Sharks go nuts the way that the Cowboys did last round. So if that is the case, then Bullock could be looking at another sub-20, sub-30 score, and he may not even make your best 13 this round if you've got more than 13 available. So, look, obviously if you're scratching it, you know, you've only got six, seven pre-trades, then maybe Buller's not the guy you offload. But if you are looking, like for myself, I might have 13 if Sean Johnson plays, so Buller could easily make way for me. And it's with a view to preparing for round 20 and 21, bringing back all those origin guns. So that's kind of how I'm seeing it. So, yeah, that's uh, worth considering if you are in that similar position. Otherwise, I'm really not that keen on any of the other Tigers players. It's just I think we saw last week what could easily happen in multiple games moving forward. I've given the Tigers credit for being good against Supercoach points, but that's all out the windows after I saw what, we, what the Cowboys did to them last round, I think, uh, yeah, it's it could be the start of you know the trend for the rest of the season, unfortunately, for the Tigers. So speaking to that, obviously, if you've got multiple Sharks this round, it's a good thing. I took a punt on Sienna Katoa as a bit of a pod last round, so it hurt that he scored sub-30, you know, when I could have done moves like Buller to Ponga or something like that, which uh, I did have, actually have a close look at, but again, I thought I would be sensible, but you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? So look, no point crying over spilt milk there, but I'm hopeful he will repay the faith this round and also next round as well. Now, Hines again, surely you've got him by now, but if not, he is to me a very obvious vice captaincy option, given most of us won't have full seventeens or anything like that, so there's no risk basically on setting him up for a loop. So lock him in for the blue armband from my perspective there. Kennedy's a great pod if you took a punt on Ramey and Talakai. I mean, I think Ronnie and Nakura, I've, I've said that multiple times, I really want them in my team if I didn't have them. I just think they could continue being very relevant for the rest of the season. So, yeah, I think if you want to take a bit of a punt. So I know similar to... Myself, a lot of people have Sonny Luke there in the second hooker position. Next round could be really painful if Sonny Luke is back on the bench. 
So I think you're either hoping Harry Grant backs up. I think that's not happening. That's my personal thought. So if you've got Grant and Luke like me, you're really hoping Sonny doesn't play and then you can just cop the AE and then Grant come into play as an, you know, a loop option or whatever. So that's one thing. Now, if he does play, then you know some, some people would like, as they're running low on trades, maybe to offload the potential AE nightmare that is Sonny Luke. So maybe they want to get a second hooker. I'm not suggesting you have to, but I think it is viable strategy-wise. So for me, I've looked at Reed Marnie because of the price tag. He is very cheap. And, you know, even if he doesn't give you much more than 45s and 50s, that's still good for the price tag. So he'll play this week, he'll play next week, and he's always a chance of jagging some attacking stats. One thing I will say for him is that once Billy Kikau comes back, I think there's opportunities that Marnie could pick up some attacking stats just off the back of having Kikau there as a threat near the line. So that's kind of my thought process there. However, if you want to go a little bit more expensive, Wade Egan is an option. He's you know, like he's been good as long as he can stay on the park. That's the only knock on him. So uh, I am concerned about that because it's happened multiple times. But if he can stay out there, he's going to do well for you. And I would trust him to be you know, a very viable second hooker for the run home. So he does play this round and next round, provided he's fit and healthy. So I, I don't mind him. He's about 488K, so still very reasonable. The name I want to look at and, and one that I'm really tempted to try f- make work is Blake Braley. I've talked about the Sharks run. Like I'm not the only one who's talked about that, but Braley's been pretty solid for the most part. He's sem- similar to Reed Marnie in terms of his base and base attack, but actually a little bit better and I think plays for a lot better team. The Sharks have a really friendly draw on the one on the run home, and I think we've seen the Sharks really benefit when they do take on, you know, bottom eight teams, bottom nine teams rather, and the Sharks have a couple of those lined up, and I think Braley could get some attacking stats. Uh, yeah, so he has finished all his buys, 5 for 30k, break even to 22, so I think jump on if you can if you're wanting that second hooker that you can play. And I think he's genuinely a bit of a pod matchup that you can slot into your 17 on a week-to-week basis, depending on your you know, your depth, your your reserve options, your, you know, buy situation, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. Uh, look, let's move on to the next game. The Dragons and the Raiders. So this is tough because both these teams don't play next round. And that's obviously less than ideal if you are looking at some of these guys. So what I will say is, for the Dragons, obviously, no Sloan. We've got Paul Turner, uh, who was a mid-season acquisition, came from the Titans. And, look, he's playing fullback in this game. He's 285k. He's got a dual 5'8 and center wing uh, dual position, which is actually really handy. And, you know, if you've got Joey Manu like at 5'8, I think that's actually quite interesting. So Turner looks like he won't get a run normally. Uh, look. I'd say that with a massive asterisk because who knows what could happen rest of the season. If Turner has a good game, I could see him also being the 14 moving forward. So, you know, buyer beware. But there is a world where he is a one and done and he's got that dual position handy that he can flick back and forth with Joey Manu. So if you're happy to have Manu as your reserve 5'8", for example, and then you're running a Monster or Ponga or someone else like that, then... Turner's not a bad shout where, you look, he's not bottom dollar, but he's got at least a, some function moving forward in terms of that dual positioning there. 
So, yeah, just worth noting, if Sloan's out a little bit longer, you might get another game or two from Turner. I'm not expecting much, but if you want points this round and you want a one-and-done, he's an option. <laughs> I guess I'll put it there. Just don't blame me if he does come back as a you know, bench utility AE nightmare in the coming rounds because it, it is an outcome and I just wanted to flag that from the outset. Otherwise, look, I'm, I'm genuinely not very interested in the Dragons. If you've got the Bellin, that's great. If you don't, don't trade him in from now on because who knows what's going to happen minutes-wise. Plus, he doesn't help you of next round. So, yeah, Raiders a lot of lot more interesting, but again, don't help you of next round. Surely you've got Joey Tarpane by now. Corey Horsbra, I think, is a genuine option if you want to bring him in post-buy, but obviously not playing this game and has around 20 by you know, afterwards as well. So outside of that, look, if you wanted to take a punt on Timoko, we know he can get from the 400s to the 700s if he has a run. And look, will he have a run? I don't know because it's been very hard to pick, but he's got the Dragons this round, a buy next round, Warriors which will be tough, I think. And then Knights, Tigers in round 22 and 23. So maybe there's a run there. And then it's Storm, Bulldogs, Broncos, Sharks. So look, the Bulldogs matchup, obviously pretty tasty there, but the other games there, not ideal Supercoach-wise. So not for me personally, but again, I know some of the pod hunters out there might be interested. Speaking of pod hunting, Hudson Young, with him not being selected for Origin, he's... Obviously very interesting now, again, the round 20 buy really does hurt, but I think, you know, at, at 574k, he's got a break-even of just 18 after a last start, 93. Still passes the eye test to me, and yeah, look, he's been very, very consistent. As long as he's getting those attacking stats, he'll give you 70-plus. If he doesn't, he's sitting somewhere in the 45-ish, give or take regions so you know typical edge back role but I think Hudson Young has been uh, I imagine he'd be burning to really have a good game after being dropped and you know against the Dragons could be anything right he's previously scored 127 against them and he seems to enjoy playing them because he's averaging 72 in five games overall so I don't mind the Hudson Young shout if you are okay for next round and obviously if you've got too many Raiders then yeah don't get on uh, Hudson Young as well, but I do like his potential to have a decent run for the rest of the season. The next game is plenty interesting. Obviously, the Eels taking on the Warriors. So apparently for SJ, he will know by Friday because he's obviously got to travel to Sydney. So Friday's the cutoff, basically. He's either gone to play or he'll be staying back in New Zealand uh, for the birth of his, I believe it's his third child. So, look, I understand. I'm not going to begrudge the guy for missing a game. Uh, as a super coach, obviously, we'd love him to play, but, yeah, certain things are more important, obviously. But we'll know by Friday. Uh, I think that will make a huge difference. Obviously, no SJ. I, I mean, they're saying it'll be Metcalf and Dylan Walker in the halves, and I just think that'll be a very directionless team, and I don't know who's going to take over the kicking because SJ is the kicker for the Warriors, and that's pretty much it. So that will be a little bit concerning there. Since I'm talking about the Warriors, look, Chan's nickel cook start, I think, will be a fantastic option for the rest of the season. He does cost you an arm and a leg. So as much as I'm looking, you know, I'd love to have Nick Chan's in my team, but I, you know, I'm trying to plan, and I'll talk about this later, but I'm trying to really work out how I'm going to afford the guys I want post-Origin and, I just don't know if I'm going to be able to fit Chance in, so that's uh, that's my bad for 
not persevering with the guy, but yeah, obviously I'm taking the licks there in the last couple of rounds. Otherwise, look, I don't think there's anything else that we've spoken about or not spoken about for the Warriors. I think you know what we think about the likes of Torfu, Fenua Blake, and, and so on. So yeah, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about the Eels instead. So for the Eels, obviously with no Gutho, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on Dejan Arzi. He's got Ryan Madison beside him at, at 5'8 this game, which is, again, not great for Maddo. I think he could still score decent as in terms of his base, but it's not the you know 60-70 that we're used to from him. But there's a potential for high attacking stats. So, yeah, look, you know, it's not the end of the world. Obviously, Maddo can still be an option if you want to take a punt on him. But it's worth noting he still does have a really high break-even of like roughly 100, and he's now dropped to sub-600k. So it could be a pretty juicy price soon. But, yeah, obviously you're really hoping he ends up going back to the middle because otherwise he's nowhere near as enticing. Aside from that, look, I do think suddenly missing Moses and Gutho does cap the upside for this team. So I'm not as high on the Eels back, the outside backs anymore. Like, if they still had Gutho, I'd be okay to take a punt on the Sivo or someone like that, but I'd probably stay away at this point in time. I just think it could end up being one of those games where it's just not as appealing for anybody involved and it becomes a bit of a bludger because, you know, one team's got no direction and the other team's just struggling to put any polish on their attacking sets because they're so dependent on their guys uh, like Moses and Gutho normally. So that's kind of the vibe I'm getting from this game here. Just briefly on captaincy, it's not a, it's not the easiest round. I guess we put it that way. I do think the blue armband in Nico Hines, like the vice captain, that's that's the easy call. It's you know what happens if Hines doesn't go off and put up a big score and you don't end up looping. I think that's the probably the biggest question mark there. And I think look, Jermaine Hopgood might be the guy that you bring in and and put the orange armband on if you do have to go go with someone else who's not. Uh, Nico looping him if you get what I'm saying like Hopgood's shown multiple attacking stats and he has the ability to go 100 plus so I I think in a round where a lot of these guys can't go 100 plus I think that's where Hopgood could offer quite a f- bit of safety as well because I think you like he, he's surely playing 65 17 plus minutes if not the full 80 at this stage given that bench and given obviously yeah, how well he's going. So that's kind of how I'm seeing his minutes there and him as a potential uh, captaincy option for this round if you really needed to go with someone who's not Nico, basically. And then looking at the following game, which is the Rabbitohs and the Bulldogs. So obviously the Rabbitohs without Cody Walker or Cookie or Cam Murray and also now no more Kolo Matangi. It's, it's a massive difference and I think I'm worried for Alex Johnston's output obviously no still no Latrell as well so look AJ is again he's a really good winger and he can finish a lot of tries that some other wingers may not be able to do but it just comes down to you know is he going to get those opportunities and without Cody Walker there without Latrell there history's shown that he could be a, a you know a real struggle to pick so if you got him, great. If you don't have him, I wouldn't be going out of my way to bring him in this round, especially with, again, that round 20 buy uh, for next week, which, yeah, I'll come to that shortly. Now, in terms of one-and-dones, Tyrone Munro might be another name. I don't think he's the one-and-done type situation here, but I do think 
he's not the worst shout. He's bottom dollar and he scored a couple of attacking stats last round. His base is pretty bad, like it's around the 16 mark, if I'm not mistaken. So you're really hoping he either drops out of the team or if he holds that team, you're hoping the bunnies can be very relevant and score lots of points. I get that most weeks you're not going to want to play him and it just seems like he has taken over that right wing spot at the moment. So that's probably the appeal on maybe taking a punt on someone like him this round. I don't love it, but if you're really scratching for a bottom dollar center wing, he might be a guy. Outside of that, I'm not going out of my way to bring in any of the bunnies that are playing this round. Obviously, uh, we've spoken at length about how difficult it is for next round as well. And also just the bunnies in general, if they're missing 19, 20, and also 26 due to buys and also... Yeah, Origin, if, you, if if they're not playing this round. On the Bulldogs side, so look, just to talk a little bit about the downgrade options, so Blake Wilson, we've talked about him as a potential nuff that may become an A nightmare if he sticks on the bench, but I kind of do feel like he's not likely to be there, especially given the way the Bulldogs are playing at the moment. So I don't think they have the luxury of carrying a bench outside back, basically. They need you know more forwards, basically, to do the job for them. So... I think Blake Wilson could be a dip, bit of an interesting option. He's 216k. You're not going to get heaps of points from him this round, but if you need a warm body, like I don't know if he plays next round. That's the only question mark I have for him there. So if you need someone that also covers this round and next, then you're going to have to go elsewhere for that. Now, Jacob Carraz is really cheap, and I know we've talked about him in the past. Unfortunately, his base is just dropped off a cliff. I don't know whether it's just continuing to be struggling with injuries or whatever, but that's unfortunately, you know, part of his appeal was he was hitting 50-plus, sometimes 60-plus in base and base attack. I don't think he's managed to go past 40 for weeks, and let alone, I mean, last round he was called sub-30. So it's concerning. You'd want to see him healthy before you could really take the punt, but given it's around 19, if you need to downgrade and hopefully get a guy that, you know, your fingers crossed that he may be playable, as a 5th, 6th, 7th centre wing moving forward, then Kraz might be a guy. And if he does go back to his base stat beast ways from early in the season, maybe then he becomes a viable weekly starter for you in your team at this stage. So that's kind of how I'm seeing Kraz there. Now, one thing I didn't talk about earlier is the mid-season and literally this week, acquisition of Toby Sexton from the Titans by the Bulldogs. So... Look, it's a fantastic piece of business from the Bulldogs. I think Sexton is too good to be playing reserve grade. But with the way the Titans are playing, it seems like Sexton's not going to get a shot there anytime soon, despite the fact that he absolutely brained it in the one game he did play for them this year. But Bulldogs gain that could be quite critical here. I think it will help Burton play a little bit more of his natural game. However, I think that will impact Burton's supercoach because I don't think Burton will get goal-kicking anymore because Sexton's a bit of a dead eye compared to Burton. Having said that, who knows? Because Burton's kicked over better kickers than him all season, like Carl Flanagan in particular. So that could be something that is worth keeping a note on. Again, I couldn't take a punt on him because he's very expensive. That's uh, Toby Sexton. So just, yeah, worth noting there. I talked about Reed Marnie as a potential hooker option. Look, he's, it's just that he's cheap. I just don't think he's very good uh, without his attacking stats. But... Hopefully there's some potentials on the way just with, you know, Preston's a good target around the goal line, but he's also not Billy, Billy Armour kick out because Billy Kicks could be 
possibly the best forward to have near the goal line in terms of, I mean, outside of Dave Fafita, I suppose. <laughs> uh, but yeah, outside of Dave Fafita, I think Billy Kikau is really, really top three in that area for forwards when it comes to goal line work there. But with the Bulldogs kind of imploding, I don't want to load up too much. I am concerned, obviously. Um, but yeah, I think that's probably what drives me a little bit more towards Blake Braley. Because Marty still has a buy to come as well. So but Rayleigh finishing all his buys, plays for a you know, a better team and has shown pretty good consistency for Supercoach for the most part this year. Whereas Marty has been really up and down and it's somewhat in, unpredictable, I think, from what I'm seeing, as to when Marty will have a good game or not. But yeah, I'm really not looking at too many Bulldogs just because there's gonna be more and more opportunities for them to implode and yeah, we've already seen a reshuffle the back line in response to that massive flogging from last round. So if that happens again, obviously, could be more names on the block. All right, and the final game of the round is the Titans and the Dolphins, uh, the Queensland Derby, the smaller one, I guess you could say. No, nah, that's a bit harsh. Anyway, for the Titans, obviously, AJ Brimson out means Jaden Campbell slots right in at fullback, as always. And, yeah, with no uh, Dave Favita, you've got Cleese Haas in there on his edge instead. I think this might be a sneaky game where the Titans are very relevant, even though most of the relevant Titans are off playing Origin and Fafita and Tino and obviously AJ Brimson as well. However, Phil Sammy, apart from that mild hamstring concern, I mean, basically he withdrew from the last game for hamstring tightness reasons. But Sammy's been a bit of a pod all season and has scored quite well. So he could be someone you take a punt on, you know, counting on Tanner Boyd getting it done, basically, and maybe Jaden Campbell passing the ball now and then. But with the Dolphins, they've been struggling for some time and there's you know, the, the feeling that maybe maybe the wheels have finally fallen off, despite obviously the Dolphins, I think, punching above their weight roster-wise for most of this season. So there is a potential for a shootout here for the Titans and maybe the Dolphins can you know keep up with them because the Titans are going to tighten at some point. But yeah, something to be mindful of, especially if you do want to take some punts on the Titans pods, like Brian Kelly, Phil Sammy, even like plenty of sold Khan Pereira. Maybe he's still an option and could be brought in even. Not that I would, but again, this is where, and uh, you know, I referred to our previous chat on crunching the numbers about some of the low ownership, low roster percentage guys who've just gone massive on a buy round and then been critical the team's moving up that week. So the other exciting news is Valens Tafare has seemingly nailed down that spot now. Brinko Lee is fit and available for selection, as seen by him being in the number 21 jersey, but he apparently was training with the reserves and Val continuing to play with the first. So it seems like it's his right centre spot now until he loses it. Now, Wayne Bennett has been willing to drop guys in the past for bad defence, but... I think given Branko's own defensive struggles, I don't think defense is the thing that sets him apart. Val gets through plenty of work in yardage and also has that attacking upside where it's just near impossible to bring down at times. So I do like Val's potential. Like if you want to downgrade but still have someone playable, you know, I talked about Karaz last game and I kind of think Tafare might be a better option. He's a fair, fair act cheaper. Doesn't play... You know, in a position where he's got as much upside, but 
he's managed to put a couple of big game, big games together so far this season. And uh, yeah, I think there could be a couple more on the horizon. So I don't mind the Safari option. And again, this is where I'm talking about round 20. Having guys this round who also cover next round is going to be critical. Anyway, that's plenty of chat about that. Let's move on. Thanks again, as always, to our good friend Carl McGrath, accountant, for sponsoring this segment here. If you want to make sure you're not fudging your numbers when it comes to your taxes, make sure you get Carl to help you out. So today's deep dive into the numbers is actually, again, about round 19. Surprise, surprise. But more specifically, buy round numbers and also guys who I think you would want to have this round based off the roster percentages. And also, you know, I'll throw in a little bit there to make you not feel so bad about the guys you've lost for this round already. So firstly, yeah, I'm just going to look at the highest rostered guys. The first... Name is obviously Nico Hines, so, you know, it's a no-brainer. If you don't have him, get him. Jermaine Hopgood is also really highly rostered, and I think he's a great option, so if you don't have him, I would... I'm not sure if I'd get him. I know that sounds weird, but paying 717000 for Jermaine Hopgood may not be the best move for your team, if that makes sense. I'll come back to that later. Otherwise, the other highly rostered guy would be someone like a Jermaine Asako, Almost 37% of of teams have him in there. Followed by Joey Tarpane, 34%. Jacob Preston, 33%. And then you're getting to, you know, Torhu Harris, Sean Johnson, Charles Nickel, Klukstad, Britton Nikura, all between 23 to 27% rostered. The thing with these guys, though, I think all of them are unlikely to give you a dud score, basically. It's hard to see any of them scoring so poorly that they would drop out of your best 13 this round. So uh, it's hard, obviously, because if they go well, like then it's it's going to really hurt. So I would do what I can to make sure I've got these guys in my team already. And, yeah, if you don't, like the Nick, Nico is the obvious one that I'd really want to get. And I think Asako might be a, the other guy just because 37% is huge. And it's the Titans. They can give up points to anybody, basically. So that's kind of how I'm seeing it this this round. Now, that's where you keep going down. Jareem Buller, 19.1% of super coaches have him still. So that's a real opportunity, I think. You know, again, I've expressed my reservations there, but let's say that number drops down to like 17% or whatever. That's still a lot of people who potentially will deal with cash loss, low score, and just underwhelming you know what, just underwhelming in general. So back to the highly owned players. And this is, again, shout out to Rugby League Fantasy Pro and their app. So with the Supercoach Pro subscription, you can actually access these and look them up yourself. But basically, of those highly owned players I talked about, you know, Nico, Sako, Hopgood, Tarpane, Torhu, if you're looking at, you know, and you can filter into top 1,000, top 2,000, top 5,000, but basically... You know, if we're starting at the top 1,000, you know, of those five players, 27%, so that's 270 teams in the top 1,000 have all five. So, you know, if they all go well, as you can see, there's a more than a quarter of the teams in the top 1K who's going to go well with that. You go to the top 2,000 teams, that number is sitting at 21.6%, so about 432 teams, and stretched out to the top 5,000, so only 700 teams, so... 
that's still 14% of the top 5,000 who have that combo there. So I think that's probably illustrative of why it's important to have some or most of those guys so that if they all go well, then you're not left absolutely just floundering, trying to keep up with the the main pack that's surging ahead because the popular guys have gone well, basically. So to kind of look at the other end, and still again, thanks to our friends at Rugby League Fantasy Pro. So I think there are some super coaches out there who've just copped a pretty rotten run of luck, but there are some super coaches out there who've just taken it to the next level. So, you know, we talk about buy planning, we talk about guys who obviously are playing well and scoring well, and, you know, as a result are worth a fair chunk of your salary cap. Well, if you happen to be one of the 171 teams that currently have, I mean, we're talking millions, but Clint Gutherson, Cody Walker, Corey Horsburgh, AJ Brimson and Keon Kalonomatangi, who were in your teams and now aren't playing for you this round, that's five guys who are premium guys just gone like that. That's brutal. So, yeah, thanks, Freddie. But anyway, yeah, obviously injuries has contributed to those guys being unavailable for this round, but... I think that speaks to you know, a n- number of teams that are going to be battling. So 5,000 there, if you shrink that to top 2,000, that's 44 teams or 2.2%. And well, that's, you know, AJ Brimson's digging into that. So you take him out and that's almost up to 7%. So when you lost four guys like that anyway, it's still a huge chunk. But yeah, the main reason I was illustrating that is that, you know, it, it's almost impossible to recover from losing five you know, frontline guys like this, guys who'd be in your 17 week in, week out pretty much. Like to lose five of them in one hit, it just, you know, it's a massive climb back for those guys to put up a decent score this round. So I think that means there's opportunities to move ahead. It doesn't have to be just those players themselves, but I think it shows, yeah, some of the popular guys who've been scoring really well uh, can yeah, it's going to really sting to have those missing for this week. But yeah, get in touch with Carl. It's tax time now, so get him to do a tax return and he'll legally maximise your tax refund, whether it's just a basic tax return or accounting for things like rental properties, capital gains on share trading or even crypto trading. Carl can help you out and make sure you're recording everything correctly. So that's not just tax returns. You can also get assistance from Carl when it comes to all aspects of accounting including vast lodgement and data entry. And, you know, we've said this in the past, but Carl, he's the one who does it all for you. He doesn't have minions. He doesn't offload to support staff or anything like that. And as a result, Carl has very few overheads because he is a small business owner and does so much himself. So Carl can obviously uh, make sure he can pass on the savings to his clients. So again, we'll remind you again, he's doing a special for Supercoach Champions podcast listeners. That's $99 for a basic tax return. Or if you have more than a basic tax return, he'll make sure he looks after you in price. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. All right. So obviously we've packed so much into this episode, but I'm going to finish up talking a little bit of strategy. I think realistically, if you've got 10, 11, 12, you're probably doing okay for this round. Like I said, Plenty of guys are missing. Plenty of super coaches are floundering. Like probably, you know, let me revise that. 10's probably a little bit low. I'd be really pushing towards the 11 to 13 mark. 
I'd be surprised if many teams are going to be able to you know easily come up with more than say fourteen or fifteen, or whether it's a good idea to load up on that. So I'll speak to that in a moment. But I kind of feel like the sweet spot this round might actually be the number fourteen. So having one guy outside your best thirteen, so it gives you one extra bite at the cherry. And I think that's going to be okay to balance that with round 20 coverage. And I said this before, but I think round 20, it really is going to be the toughest round of the season. So I know this is painful already, but it's still doable. Whereas round 20 could be absolute carnage. I think you might find there's going to be teams running 10, 11, 12 next week when you it's not best 13 and you need 17 to count. So that could be even more brutal and hence why you don't want to go all in on round 19 and actually maybe plan ahead for round 20. So we talk about this sometimes, but looking at 19 and 20 as an aggregate where you really want to have 30 scorers, right? So best 13 in round 19 and a full 17 in round 20. Now, you know, that best 13 is a little bit misleading because you might want to have 14 or even 15 so that you've got two bites of the cherry or at least one bite of the cherry to you know, have a potential non-best 13 score drop out of that uh, top 13 scores for your team. So I think for me, that's where you really need to balance it this round. And because there are some really, really pressing uh, options, so guys like Tino and Dave Feeder and stuff like that, if you don't have them for whatever reason, then if they back up, I think they, they're a good chance to back up because they're the final game of the round in round 20. So to me, that's very compelling that I expect them to play because they obviously need them to play and keep pushing to move up the ladder and they're definitely in the mix uh, for an improved finish to the season and even sneaking into the finals even you know, with the right set of circumstances that might arise. I don't think it's going to happen, but it could very easily happen given it's a really, really surprising unexpected season isn't it I can't say that this is exactly what we were expecting at the start of the year with names like Broncos in the top four and the Warriors in the top eight I think that speaks to this season for sure but yeah to my point this is where maybe if you've got like a strong core of say 10 or 11 scorers then maybe your final few trades for around 19 numbers might be to downgrade and take a punt on some of these one-and-done guys and then load up and build that war chest so you can splurge next week, double gun upgrades or things like that. In a, in a round where people are scratching to field 17, if you can bring in two and maybe if you still got a boost, then you can bring in three next round. Or it could even be a legitimate strategy to go ahead and take the risk. Someone like Kalen Ponger, who's going to be very compelling with a 180 in his rolling average for two weeks, Yes, he's obviously risen dramatically from where he was even just two weeks ago. I think it's 160 grand in those two weeks while scoring a 180 as well. So great points too. I think that speaks to what a lot of super coaches are considering. You know, it was never really his ability that was in doubt. Although I don't think many expected 180 anytime soon from Ponga, but we know he's done it in the past in terms of going massive. So it was obviously within the range of outcomes that was possible here. But yeah, like I was saying, I think that's where maybe you do take a punt on trading out someone like a Cody Walker or Dream Buller 
or whatever and, and moving them on for someone who plays not just this round but also next round. I know I know we've said this the last few big buy rounds as well, but definitely count your numbers for round 20 because I think you're in for a rude drop for most of us. So you might be okay because I'm looking at my team going, well, I've got 13 this round if SJ plays. I'm probably trading, so I'm going to have 14. And that means I might trade out Dream Buller, for example, and then bring two other guys. I could also just trade and leave myself at 13 and just count on everyone else being similarly placed. But that's where that would be the move where I bring in an extra number for round 20 in advance and then be ready to go. So, for example, I could be like a Dream Buller to Kellen Ponga or even Cody Walker to Kellen Ponga. Doesn't change my numbers for this round, but I'm ready and firing for round 20, assuming Ponga gets through training unscathed, which that's, I guess, ultimately the only risk there that he is hurt for whatever reason at training and like we've definitely seen it this year right even last round you know billy smith and joseph Sawley decide to knock each other out so yeah fun times fun times for sure but yeah so for my team i'm counting my round 20 numbers and if i'm taking out harry grant for example i'm just assuming he's not backing up then i'll be scratching 15 maybe 16 all it takes is another injury or two this round and then i'm down you know even with two trades next week I'm down to not being out of field 17. So that is probably what I would suggest everyone try to work out because that might shape your trades for this round. So for me, that's where I'm like, maybe I do just be content with 13 or 14 for around 19 and then spend one of my trades preparing for next week. So preparing could be two things you could look at. One is to actually get a guy who's going to play or two, make sure you've built up that war chest so you can double splurge. So, for example, I could make a couple of trades where I'm getting in some one-and-done guides like a Munro or, you know, like Wilson or whatever it is, whoever I feel like. But then I'm looking at maybe carrying this around and, you know, not having the best players but sufficient players. And then what I might end up doing is just having, you know, potentially six, seven hundred thousand in the bank to be able to immediately splurge on double gun upgrades next round. And I think double gun upgrades will be very enticing for those who planned ahead because not everyone would have planned that well and some would just only be able to get one upgrade next week. So the ability to just be really advanced and get two gun upgrades and yeah, just be in a real good position for next round. That could be tempting to use some of your trades whether it's one or maybe even two to look ahead to the coming round where it could really be tougher the other question i'm trying to wrestle with is how much stock do i put in sunny luke being dropped and playing reserve grade last round because if he is dropped then i'd be much more willing to roll with grant and luke next round where i'll just cop an ae if luke's not in the team basically and that way i could set up my team so that i am running just on 17 or maybe 18 but it's quality I'm not counting on cheapies and stuff like that. So that's kind of how I'm trying to play this round and also next round. So I do think if your numbers are a little bit lower because you've obviously been hit hard with origin and injuries and suspensions and all that type of stuff, that's where you might just have to chalk it up as bad luck, get in as many of the highly rostered guys and then focus on gunning up as soon as you can for round 20 and just being prepared to really storm home quicker than everyone else anyway this has uh, gone on long enough it's a long time to be listening to the same person ramble on so apologies again for that 
Just a final update on our group competition, just courtesy of our good friends at Tyler Made. So we still have Ryan, the coach of Financial Panther, still clinging on to third. So he's been very consistent. And we've got a new second place, which is Edwin, coach of Lux for Losers. So great team name there. <laughs> but yeah, good luck to those who are in contention. Obviously, if you manage to stick around as the highest ranked super coach in our overall group, you'll qualify for our $500 cash overall prize. If you do come second or fourth, you'll end up with a platinum subscription for 2024 uh, to Rugby League Fantasy Pro. And if you come fifth to tenth in our group competition, you get a $30 discount to use in 2024, which effectively would cover you for a subscription to Supercoach Pro for 2024. So we really do have to thank our friends at Rugby League Fantasy Pro for coming on board to offer these prizes for our group competition. The Platinum subscription is valued at roughly $90 and it includes access to all four of their fantasy apps, including Supercoach Pro, Fantasy Pro, DraftStars Pro and Punter Pro. I've used it again, obviously, in terms of uh, researching and helping me come up with some of these deep dive numbers for our segment this episode. So, yeah, it's a testament to how useful that tool is. Definitely check it out. There's so much you can learn from it and also plenty more. So thanks again to Adrian and the team at Rugby League Fantasy Pro for their generosity. All right, like I said, uh, I've gone on way too long for this episode. So thanks again for listening. Hopefully you got something out of it. I know it's obviously less than ideal, really scheduling and all that type of stuff. So, yeah, uh, we won't have any other episodes this week. So good luck with round 19. May your final decisions on your pods and who to bring in and all that type of stuff, as well as your planning for round 20, pay off handsomely so that you can obviously climb those rankings. Just hopefully not as well as I do, obviously, so I can climb as well. All right, good luck, everyone. We'll catch you again soon. 